Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Dr. Psych Mom Show. Today, we're going to be talking about how when your mental health improves, sometimes your marriage goes to shit, right? And so people are surprised by this um, because it's kind of uh, thought that if things get better in one domain, then uh, that could only be positive for the relationship, but certainly nothing could be farther from the truth, and we will discuss why. Before that, though, please do subscribe. The most recent subscriber episode was about how there's a little honeymoon stage every month, biologically, and how to make the best use of that. All right, so um, a lot of people that I work with in therapy or, you know, just generally who, who are in therapy, they, they're trying to work on certain core aspects of themselves. So they may be addressing um, feelings of persistent low self-worth, you know, a self-concept that they don't deserve good things, things, you know, these sorts of things would be really relevant if they had a dysfunctional childhood. So a lot of people engage in behaviors then that are not what somebody with high self-esteem would do, quite honestly, right? I mean, they they uh, martyr themselves in their relationship. They act crazy, quote unquote, so like impulsively and histrionically and volatile, you know, screaming and fighting. You know, you don't really act like that if you feel like you deserve to get your needs met. You you don't act hysterical. You act hysterical when you feel like it's almost impossible, like you're like in a desperate, impossible situation that will never work. And also people tend to act very um, disruptively and chaotically when they don't really have much self-respect. Like it doesn't really matter how crazy they act in their mind. They don't feel like a good human being anyway. So almost you might as well act uh, dramatically and in a way that is shameful to you because it's like, who cares? If you're already at the bottom of the totem pole in your own estimation anyway, you already have low self-esteem. So how does this manifest? Is somebody with low self-esteem, which is really at the core of so many issues, including depression. Depression is super biological too, but the low self-worth feelings and the guilt feelings, the cognitive symptoms of depression are related to low self-esteem. So that person will just engage in the ways that they saw growing up, you know, they'll either be the martyr or they'll be the, quote, crazy one. Like in my uh, post and podcast, Mr. Perfect and his crazy wife, right? The woman in that, so let's take that one because that's a great example. So in Mr. Perfect and his crazy wife, a woman with very low self-esteem um, who grew up in a dysfunctional family marries a man who's, quote, unquote, perfect, um, because that makes her feel better about herself, that she sh could get such a man, and that she will certainly have normal children and have a normal family for them. But this guy kind of looks down on her, and that doesn't make any, you know, that's not shocking because she looks down on herself. And the original dynamic of the relationship was that he was the good one, the normal one, the successful one, and she's just kind of, 
you know, like this uh, really not very competent person. Maybe she has substance abuse issues or she's depressed or she has paralyzing anxiety or whatever it is. She's just not as competent as him. But in the honeymoon stage, everything goes really well. And, um, you know, she's hitching her wagon to his star. And in an extreme version, this is a borderline narcissist dynamic, which you can listen to in my podcast, Extreme Preoccupied and, and Avoidant or Narcissist Borderline. And, um, you know, she she starts to become upset because the honeymoon stage wears off. He's not as into her. He's not as romantic. And her sex drive goes down. And then she starts to see that he looks down on her. Now, she looks down on herself, but she's still sensitive to somebody looking down on her. And you would think that, you know, this would have never worked at the beginning, but it does because everything works bathed in the honeymoon stage glow. And so these are the kind of guys where they have like this really good job and they're really successful and they're always very ambitious. And she just basically is not as competent as them and she can't. She's highly sensitive and she needs more sleep and she's very um, sensitive to anything happening to her and and friend drama gets her upset and family drama gets her upset and he's the port in the storm. But he kind of thinks she's a little fucked up over time. He's, his patience wanes and then she gets her feelings hurt by him. He starts to be like the oppressor, like everybody else. So then at some point, this person goes to therapy and they're like, oh my God, I'm recreating exactly how I grew up, Right. And my father always looked down on my mother, or my mother always looked down on my father. And could you imagine I'm doing the exact same thing because I have no self-esteem. I'm pregnant now, or I have kids now, or whatever, whatever, because it's been a few years. And I don't want to raise them like this. I don't want to think that I'm an incompetent piece of shit like I was raised to think. I want to work on my self-esteem. Maybe I really am good at some things. Maybe I'll go back to school. Maybe I'm going to try harder at my job. Either way, I'm not going to replicate the crazy, you know, family life that I saw. So I kind of feel good about that. Maybe I'm going to try to get my drinking under control. I'm going to start exercising, whatever, right? So she starts to feel better about herself. And guess what happens? You would think the marriage would get worse because this is always what he wanted was for her to stop maybe laying around and crying. And instead, it gets worse. You know why? Because the entire dynamic was predicated on him being better and healthier than her. And she wouldn't have picked this guy. She would have seen him as emotionally avoidant or narcissistic even if she had been healthier. But she had such low self-esteem that she couldn't see clearly that he looked down on her and that everything in the dynamic was predicated on this. Right? So then she gets healthier. And then what's his purpose? His purpose was to be the normal one that could do stuff. But what if she turns into a normal person that could do stuff too? What if she doesn't need him to navigate the world for her? What if she starts to make more money and she is raising kids and the kids are turning out pretty good and she's happy with how she's parenting them? What if she makes some more friends? What if she takes some Zoloft and her social anxiety drops, you know, and she's able to talk to people? Um, Whatever, whatever the case may be, right? So then she starts to interrogate more of the marriage and she's like, wait, what? Like, he looks down on me. He's actually not a perfect person. Why did I ever think he was, you know? And why did he let me think that? And why doesn't he want to work on himself too? He has this problem and that problem and I'm working on myself. Why doesn't he work on himself, right? 
And so then the problems start. So her mental health and her confidence improving actually led to a deterioration in the marriage because the dynamic is stressed. And an example of this that I always give to everybody, and you may have heard it in my podcast before, is the movie When a Man Loves a Woman. Meg Ryan gets control of her drinking and the whole marriage with Andy Garcia goes to shit. That is not a spoiler. That's pretty much the whole thing. So you got to watch that, you know, and it doesn't matter if you don't drink. It's, it's relevant to anybody, right? So, um, you know, what would be an example? Some people uh, kind of get limited by by their imagination in terms of flipping the gender. What's an example specifically to men that I see? When a man starts to feel more confident, I mean, this is obvious. When a man starts to feel more confident about himself because he does a lot better at work, finally has a job, he's making some money. Yeah, not he finally has a job. He always had a job, but the job is much better. He's getting promoted. They really respect him in the workplace. He's interacting with more people. People tend to look up to him. You know, he's not low man on the totem pole, right? So then he starts to this man who originally thought that he was kind of, you know, a piece of shit in some way and not very good and not very worthwhile. And so therefore he should be with a woman who doesn't have much sex with him and isn't very nice to him. He starts to be like, wait, why am I doing that? At work, people respect me. Out in the world, people respect me. Sometimes this happens to people of either gender when they lose weight or they start to feel better about their looks. They start to say, hmm, People respect me. I feel like the only person who doesn't really respect me is my partner. And so this person's confidence improves. They get a handle on whatever self-esteem or anxiety or depression issues they had and or addiction. And then the marriage looks a lot different, right? And they lose a lot of patience with previous dynamics that were okay with them. And when a person can control volatility... So anger management. So sometimes men are very reactive and angry, right? So they yell very quick or they they grab the kids or whatever they do. When they can control that in therapy and that is a primary focus, then their major thing that the woman was always putting up with and that was why she didn't want to be close, for real. I mean, of course it would be why she was cold to him. This was like kind of the dynamic is he can't control himself. He drinks, he uses porn, whatever he does. But when he finally hacks that, she's still cold to him. Of course she is. There's years and years of empathic ruptures. Plus, she was never a warm person. You know, he just never thought he deserved a warm person because he thought that he is somebody who struggles with his temper and he struggles with volatility and he struggles with impulsivity. So people who feel that they are very impulsive and they can't control themselves tend to look primarily for somebody who is a stable presence who just kind of is the same all the time because they envy that person that they're impressed by that and so they end up with these kind of people right and some and then when they though can work on their own volatility and their own impulsivity then what does the other person have to offer if they can be stable themselves so if they can be the the rock that they need themselves you know then it changes everything really because they don't need anybody anymore to just be a stable presence. They want more from the relationship. So this also overlaps with my post in my podcast, The Wife Who Wants More and Her Annoyingly Satisfied Husband. 
So frequently women think that they just want this stable, reliable guy because they're in this different stage of life where they're just trying to have babies, you know, and they think that that'll be great and it'll be like Dharma and Greg. That's the dynamic I always say, that TV show. She was like a hippie and he was like an investment banker or something, right? In reality, Dharma would have been pretty pretty irritated with his lack of imagination over time. But since it's a TV show, they balance each other out. And there are some people who balance each other out, but usually those people do not have extensive childhood, you know, trauma or emotional neglect. And if you don't know what I mean by emotional neglect, there's a great book, Running on Empty by Jonas Webb, you know, that I frequently recommend. So the, the point is here, If you got into a dynamic with your partner that was in large part predicated by on you having low self-esteem and them somehow being able to keep things more normal for you or give you like a beard, you know, like a like like to 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 be the person in the world that if you got that person, then things could aren't really that bad. There's a lot of men that get very uh, attractive wives that don't want to have sex with them because it's more important to them at that phase of life. They know she's low libido. She's been low libido from go. But there's something in them. They have such low self-esteem that they need this hot wife. They need that as a signifier to the world that they're doing well and that they got this hot woman, but she doesn't really want to touch them. And when they're a young guy, they just kind of don't really think about it. They think, all right, well, quite honestly, uh, I'll just jerk off. Like, really, like that is, that, that, that's the thing. They just, they're using so much porn anyway as young men that they think, all right, well, you know, I'll supplement this with sex with her when she does, and she'll be a good mom, and that is that is what it is. And subconsciously, without saying it, they think, I don't deserve everything, right? Because I, myself, am fairly unappealing, unattractive person, not very magnetic to women, and now I got this attractive woman, and, and so I'm going to do everything, you know, can't have everything. And while, of course, you can't have everything, the things that lower self-esteem people raised in dysfunctional households are willing to settle for is something that later on, when they work on their confidence, they no longer find healthy at all. So many guys that I work with, when we go back, like at first they say, oh, yeah, sex really dropped off. Like dropped off. Oh, really? Maybe you're going to be the outlier, right? And of course, I talk all the time. Sex does drop off over the honeymoon stage. But when it goes to completely sexless, before the woman starts to age on hormonal changes, or like sexless in the 30s, right? Like when the people are in their 30s, right? Or before that even. If it goes to sexless when you're in your 20s or 30s, there were, there were problems before. And then they're like, oh, well, yeah, you know, she never, she never really liked touch. She was always pretty squeamish. We could only do it one way in the dark. We really, I guess, we did it after every date. But that was when we were long distance, you know. So I guess that was every other week. And then she can never do it two days in a row. So I guess at our peak, it was every other week. But now it's really worse. It's never. Well, I mean, yeah, I guess it's worse. Sure. But it was never good. You know, and why did you then stay with somebody when it was never good? Because of your own self-esteem issues. That's the only reason. And so when people start to work on those things, then they realize, you know, certain things no longer are acceptable to them. And that's quite different. So if you are in this situation where you have worked on your mental health and your confidence and you are now not accepting the same sorts of things in a partner, couples therapy is the next step, right? Because otherwise, you know, like your partner, it's not fair to them. You're changing the frame. 
you were okay with certain things. They were okay with certain things. Nothing was really discussed. Nothing was articulated. This was all below the conscious level. And now you're switching and you have all these expectations for them. That wouldn't be fair at work, right? Like if your boss was like, hey, you know what? Now I'm thinking actually you're going to be the face of the company. You're going to be on flights all the time. And you're going to, you know, and you're going to be doing all, all this extra work. And that's what it feels like when somebody tries to change up the marital dynamic without your consent, really, and without any in, in a way that you would have never predicted and that you don't feel prepared for. And maybe you can't do it. Maybe you just can't do it. Maybe that woman in the example, the, the attractive woman who doesn't like sex, well, she never liked sex. So, you know, now that you have higher self-esteem, why should she, you know, like sex? It's pretty much not fair to her. But if she loves you, maybe, and, and, is, and it, things are explained a certain way and she could see the trajectory of the change and overall the marriage is better and a better template for her children's marriages, etc., then maybe she could learn to kind of uh, get outside her comfort zone. But it's very hard to do that um, just out of no, nowhere without any sort of help or, or understanding of what's going on. So this is why, you know, after people go to enough individual counseling, and they feel better about themselves, sometimes then they need couples counseling. And sometimes the marriage doesn't work out. That's the real, real truth, you know, but, but a lot of times it does. And of course, if the marriage was a good, healthy um, marriage, you know, the healthier it was and the better childhoods both of you had, then the likelier it is that you guys can work together. And the more you love each other, the more you have external motivators like young children, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So it's not a lost cause, but you you do see that when people remarry, it's frequently they have like a lot happier relationships with somebody that's kind of uh, more more compatible with them, you know, and uh, they're the things that weren't working in the first marriage. They don't usually replicate in the second in the subset of people that are in this situation where they did a lot of therapy, they learned more about themselves, they increased their self-esteem, well, then they tend to kind of go to a much healthier marriage. You know, because people are like, oh, what about the statistic where people are likelier to divorce if they've been divorced? Yeah, sure. Most people do not do any deep introspective work on themselves, you know? Most people, it's just that marriage ended in a volatile blow up and now they're going to go do that with the next person. But in the subset of people that are engaged in, you know, really transformative work internally, well, they're not going to just go to a worse situation. That's like the entire point is that they know themselves better and they have higher standards, you know, standards that they couldn't have had the first time because they didn't have any high standards even for themselves because they didn't think they could. All right. I hope you guys found this interesting. And as always, reach out if you ever need a therapist or a coach. I have lots of people at Best Life Behavioral Health. Please uh, subscribe and I'll talk to y'all soon. Have a great day.